Welcome to the XY Advisor Podcast, a global community of financial advisors sharing and learning with one another to drive the positive evolution of financial advice. To get involved, go to xyadvisor.com or simply download the XY Advisor app. This series, Deeper Client Relationships at Scale, is brought to you by My Prosperity, the all-in-one client portal and app designed to enhance your practice efficiencies, promote your digital brand, and grow your revenue. You can book a demo directly from the website. Go to myprosperity.com.au. Welcome back to the XY Advisor podcast. I'm Fraser Jack and today I'm joined uh, by Karen Hendry. Welcome, Karen. Thank you very much, Fraser. It's fantastic to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, excellent. It's fantastic to have you. So so we're talking about all things regarding uh, deeper relationships at scale, obviously a, a, um, a series that's brought to you by My Prosperity. Thank you for joining us and, and bringing us uh, this information. Tell us about yourself and what you're doing at the moment. Yeah, look, um, so me, I I was a financial planner for 20-odd years and uh, I tell you what, it's a lot harder to be a financial planner these days than when I was was, was planning. Um, but I also, I'm part owner of an accounting and, and financial planning business that's um, it's been around for over 40 years now, Fraser. So, you know, obviously I haven't been in it for all those 40 years. Otherwise, I would have had to have started when I was like 10. Um, but, um, uh, you know, it's it's been around for a, for a long time. I've been there for 28 of those years. And yes, yeah, so financial planning for about 20 odd years. But these days, uh, my, my focus is really around business advice. And so what I love doing is um, I advise other accounting, financial planning and bookkeeping practices on how to grow their business or change their business or get what they want out of their business. And uh, look, Basically, I'm just a shortcut, right? So I just help people get there easier and faster than they than they might have otherwise. Yeah, fantastic. So you're in you're in and out of a lot of other accounting businesses uh, and advice businesses, and you you I guess you get to see a lot of different things. You get to see what's working, what's not working. Yeah, for sure. And uh, what's what's interesting though is most practices um, have the same sort of issues, right? The the fundamentals don't tend to change, and they have the same sort of uh, frustrations, the same sort of problems, the same sort of concerns. Yeah, fantastic. And obviously, when uh, when I think about this, uh, some of those concerns to me have always been, and and I guess that the topic of this um, series is all around the concept of how do we then have clients? How do we look after those clients? We nurture them. How do we have these deeper relationships with them? Uh, and what's traditionally been just a very much a you know sitting across the desk from another person type of relationship. Um, and how do we then create scale around that? Yeah, because that's a massive uh, issue for you know, all those three types of businesses I, I just mentioned, right? Whether it's financial planning, accounting, or bookkeeping. So financial planning, you have that massive compliance <laughs> that you have to deal with these days. And so being able to um, still run a successful commercial business with uh, with so much compliance has become a lot more challenging. And, you know, it's no longer that you can, you know, the compliance that you have to do for somebody with $5,000 is pretty much the same as someone with $5 million. So that makes it uh, really, really challenging. Uh, accountants with the, uh, the competition with technology these days and the fee pressure that accountants are experiencing. So that's that's an issue there that means that scale becomes incredibly important. And for bookkeepers, I see it around just how busy bookkeepers are, the, the sheer volume of work that they have to get through. So, you know, this scale becomes so important no matter what business you're in, in, in this you know, business and finance industry. Yeah, fantastic. So if we start sort of high level here, there's sort of a three main sort of areas and concepts that you you sort of got around this and your opinion on it, and then we might chunk down into each one of those. What, let's start with the big three. Uh, look, I think if we're, if we're going to be talking about 
scaling. Um, I think your big three are systems, right? You have to have your systems in place. Uh, then we're talking communication and really, you know, that, that communication that depends upon you, you've got to segment with that um, uh, that that communication and potentially look at one-to-many communication. And then I'd say it's technology and software. So if yeah, you if you can tick those boxes, then I think you're doing well. And and if you can choose, you know, don't. And this is a, something that I find certainly accountants and financial planners they want to do everything at once, right? Whereas if you can pick one of those areas, get it working, then the next, then the next. You know, pick the big biggest hitters and just work through them and smash them out and then move on to the next rather than trying to attack everything at the same time. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. So I guess uh, I guess we need to really start back um, by, you know, the old take one step back before you can take two steps forward type conversation. Yeah, look, I, um, I think that I'm not telling anybody anything new if we say that strong relationships are the cornerstone to any business, right? People respond really positively to feeling important. Um, so if you can make them feel great about themselves and make them feel great about the relationship they have with you, then it's probably going to be long and it's probably going to be lasting. And especially these days, I, as I said, I've been in business for quite a while. Loyalty is different to what it used to be. It's not the same. People have so many choices now. It's so easy for people to find other people to look after them. So we really have to nurture those relationships if we want to keep them. And I think, you know, if relationships weren't important, if they weren't key, then robo-advice would be a lot more popular than it is, you know, right now. And a lot more people would be doing their own books and their own tax returns. But the simple fact is that people want people who understand them, who get them, right? If I can put like those air quotes around um, get them. They, you can't build no like and trust with a, with a computer. And, you know, that's still really important to people. And I just don't think technology um, can give people that same experience yet. Yeah, yeah, without the human involved. Yeah. Tell, tell me about that loyalty word because this is a really interesting mm. one when it comes to customer loyalty or client loyalty or whatever whatever we want to call the people we we serve. Yeah. Talk to me about that. How do how do we how do we get to that point? Because obviously, it sort of that comes with over time, yeah. does it? Or? Yeah. Look, I, uh, yes, it comes over time, but I think you can build it a lot faster um, than than what you might ordinarily think. I think there are certain things that you can do to build that, you know, I said before, no like and trust. They are the three things that, you know, if you've had any experience in um, in sales, you'll learn that they are the three ingredients to building a, a relationship. So the faster you can build that no like and trust, the better that's going to going to be. But I also think um, you've got to balance that with the commercial reality of running a business as well. So, you know, those things can take time, but we want to do it as as quickly as as possible. And I just think as around the loyalty, it is simply because we have just so many more options in our face these days. Whereas when I first started out in in business, I mean, you know, email was barely a thing at that stage, let alone being able to in a few seconds look up pretty much every competitor that's that's appropriate for for your needs so that's what and just and just on that matter look up reviews on the person that you're using exactly right you could have been really bad and nobody would have known as long as as long as you just came in and acted confident but um but yeah these days you just can't hide and you can't get away with things so that building that no like and trust as quickly as possible uh is quite um quite important but then being yeah, able to do it at scale. Correct. So, so you mentioned that uh, no like and trust in the conversation where you look at a robot or a robot mm. advice is, it finds that very difficult. Um, but obviously humans using technology can do that. Yes, that's right. You've got to be in charge of the technology, right? So people still want to, I guess it's what shifts a relationship from transactional to an actual relationship, right? So you know, it's the difference between a customer and a client, and, you know, if, if you've got a transactional relationship, I mean, that is still a relationship. 
but it's not a relationship that's going to foster a lot of loyalty, right? Um, it's going to be one where people can easily go and if they feel that they can get that transaction faster, easier, cheaper somewhere else, they will do it. Whereas if you have that deeper relationship and that deeper understanding, then that relationship's going to be longer lasting and, and that is going to have that loyalty. And at this point, things like robo-advice can't provide that yet. <laughs> it might be coming, yeah. but I, I think we're safe. Um, I think we're safe for the for the moment. So yeah. we're safe for now. Yeah. You, you mentioned uh, feeling important was yeah. quite uh, like uh, making your clients feel important. I guess that's it's kind of a, I, I kind of feel that it might be a, a two way if you can b- both feel important and make them, like I guess what am I trying to say? Feel important and feel like you're important to them. Yeah, yeah, sense? valued. I think that's um, that's kind of like a, a, a cycle. Um, but one of our basic human needs is significance, right? That is an, that's a need. We are born, we, we have that. It's not a value. It's not a want. It is a need. So if we can help people fulfill that need by, um, by interacting with them in a way that makes them feel significant, that makes them feel important. And I'm not talking about faking it. I'm talking about this is this is how you really interact with your clients. Then that is going to they're going to want to get back to that space. They're going to want to put themselves in that position where they feel like that. And and if they're getting that from you, they're going to want to spend more time with you and stay with you. The the issue that I find sometimes when I'm working with, um, I'd say more accountants and, and financial planners, not so much bookkeepers, but uh, is that sometimes they worry that that's a little bit airy-fairy and that that's not the sort of relationship their clients want. But I can absolutely promise it is. <laughs> and so, you know, you, you've got to sort of step out of your comfort zone a little bit in order to to do that. And, you know, just between you and I, Fraser, particularly accountants. <laughs> so look, I'm not an accountant, but my father's an accountant, my brother's an accountant, my partner's an accountant, my uncle's an accountant, my daughter's an accountant, right? So I know accountants. They are my world. I love them. But sometimes they can feel that that um, uh, getting uh, those relationships on a more of an emotional level can be a little bit more um, difficult, but it's really worth it. Yeah, I think you, I think you nailed it when you talked about the idea of feeling significant, yeah. not just being told that they are yeah. or some sort of a verbal <laughs> message um, or the fact that uh, – and, and accountants love numbers. We all love numbers. Financial planners love Absolutely. numbers. Um, and, uh, and numbers sort of uh, are very easy to say this is a better number than that yeah. number. It's certainly, it's certainly very simple yeah. in that scenario. We, we, got, um, we paid less tax than we did needed to or, you know, all those yeah. sorts of things. Um, yeah. So there's, there's certainly uh, appreciation of that, but, yeah, the, the, the feeling of significance comes way deeper than just the yeah. numbers. And, and, and that's why I think that's where it comes to having these systems in place that I was saying, you know, um, and, and especially when something is outside your comfort zone. One thing that I found is that systems build confidence, right? If you've got a system in place, if you've got like your little step-by-step process, even if it's in your head, that can make things a lot easier. And I'm going to sound like a real nerd now, but I find systems really sexy right when it comes to business <laughs> because it's so much easier to achieve anything anything that's repeatable if you have a system in place but when i ask most financial planners or accountants or bookkeepers what their system is for client nurturing very few have a system okay they 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 know it's important they like the idea of it but very few have an actual system for it. Now, some might think they do have a system because they send their clients a birthday card once a year, or they refer that you know they they uh, send a gift if somebody refers someone. But that's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, um, I guess, client nurturing is really about understanding your client, knowing your client, what's important to them, what their goals are, what excites them, what scares them, right? And that comes back to what I was saying before. It's For me, that's the difference between a transactional relationship that's always going to be reasonably tenuous versus an effective and meaningful interaction that's likely to be um, long-term. 
Yeah, this is really interesting, and I love the I love the sexy systems <laughs> conversation. Um, I also think there's a little bit uh, in that where you need to also have a simple. It needs to be a little bit simple because sometimes mm. um, if we go too complex, then it, we, people can get lost in the system, and it doesn't. It's not effective anymore. Yeah, if if you um, if you if it's too complicated, you won't do it. Like I, when I'm working with my clients. Sometimes they'll say to me, oh, you know, how should I do it? What's the best way to do this? And I said, the best way to do is the way that you know it'll get done. And so if you know that throwing it on an Excel spreadsheet is going to get it done, let's start there, right? So it is about, yeah, not being too too complicated. Yeah, yeah. not too complicated, not too many steps. And I do like what you said about the, the concept of it and, and the system needs to back up that you know, the feeling of significance, but also you mentioned that, you know, what excites your client and what scares your client, because I think you just nailed that um, towards and away from motivation in that sentence. Look, there is no doubt that there are only two things that motivate people to buy anything, whether it's your financial planning services, your accounting services, your bookkeeping services, or a Mars bar, right? There are only two forces that motivate people and it's pain and pleasure. And, the, the simple fact is, and this is why I emphasize what scares them, is that people are more highly motivated by pain, by being able to, to move away from pain. Um, they will spend more, they will act faster, they will do more to move away from pain. So to avoid it, to eliminate it, to reduce it. So, and that means you've got to know what their pain is, right? Um, and, and so, Having those deeper relationships with clients, you have to meet them where they are, right? It's not about what you think or what you know. It's actually about, you know, if you want to have those deeper conversations with people, you need to know what those conversations look like. You could have all the time in the world to talk to your clients and, you know, most people listening to this podcast don't have all the time in the world. Um, But if we're not focusing on the right issues in those conversations, it's an absolute waste of time. And I think it's um, also really important to know that things change for people. And if you're still having the same conversations with clients that you were having 18 months to two years ago, you're going to be off track because a lot has changed in our world. I don't need to tell anybody about, you know, what's happening with COVID and lockdown. I mean, you know, here I am, a Melbourneite back in lockdown again. I think something, I don't know what I heard, something like we've been 169 days in lockdown over the past 12, 18 months. Um, So we have to be having different conversations with our clients. And one of the things that makes me a bit unique, I guess, in the work that I do and probably why I moved from financial planning into advising practices on how to grow their their business or, you know, um, get what they want out of their business is that I have had a lot of training in human behavior. And so one of those things that I feel is really important when you're having deeper conversations, it's not just about understanding what they want. It's about understanding what they need. Uh, you might have heard the saying that, you know, we um, we sell them what they want, and we, but we give them what they need. So, you know, part of those conversations involves drawing out from them what they actually need. Yeah. yeah. Now, so how do you teach these accountants to have these empathetic <laughs> conversations, going deep, finding out what fears and pains and, and scare a client? Yeah. Because I would imagine that'd be running a million miles or, uh, when, you, when you bring this when you bring this topic up. <laughs> Look, I know, and 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 no client like I know accountant uh, I've ever met like selling um, or bookkeeper. Financial planners are a little bit better at it. I find you know obviously I'm generalising here, but uh, in general that's been my my experience. And look. The good news there, Fraser, is there are, um, because I know my audience, there are formulas, there are systems, there are, you know, templates with, you know, all that sort of thing. But um, one of the one of the things that I use with, um, with my clients is quite simply you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? So most of us looked at that at some point in our lives, you know, we probably did it at school, we, you know, we, we saw Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And so this is actually something I often refer to in my own client de- dealings. And look, for anybody who's not familiar with the model, you can Google it very easily, but it's basically a pyramid of needs. And so on the very bottom of the ne- the, the, the bottom rung is those basic needs like food and water and survival needs right up to the top 
where if, if there's five needs and up to the top where you've got the aspirational and the um, self-actualization. How am I going to, how do you say, actualization? <laughs> we got there um, and accomplishment, things like that that are right at the top there. And so when I look at the hierarchy of needs right now, I think we can safely say that given what most people have been through over the past 18 months, most people are focusing towards the bottom rungs of the of the hierarchy, right? So they're more thinking about basic day-to-day needs. They're thinking about their security and they're really thinking about their relationships, right? Their family and their friends. They, they're the things that are really key to most people at the moment. So for me, if I was having those deeper conversations with my clients right now, that's where I would be focusing. So, you know, I'm not spending a lot of time at the moment talking to my clients about their hopes and dreams and their long-term aspirations and how they're feeling about their accomplishments. I'm not saying I would ignore that completely. Of course not. But the deeper conversations are more around those areas of day-to-day security and relationships, talking to them about yeah their families and what it is that makes them feel safe and secure. All right, so what what needs to happen? What do we need to put in place um, for them to feel safe and secure? Because then, if we can give them that reassurance, that's going to absolutely build no like and trust. In fact, this is probably from um, in our industry an amazing opportunity to really lock in clients for the for the long term because if if you can help them through these uncertain times they're really going to be um loyal to you they're going to 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 uh, thank you and value you yeah so you're, you 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 approach the situation then by the sound of it where let's say we've got Maslow's hierarchy that you want to fill up a bit of a, the cup of each one of those yeah. those needs yeah. and and you, and we're going to make the generalization that um, all people will have those needs, and so if we just even if we, even without going too deep into understanding the client's information, we start from a place of knowing that they need yeah. security and they need uh, you know that sort of um, you know obviously basic food, water, yeah. uh, you know they they need to have an income so they can pay tax, um, et cetera, et cetera, uh, and then and then just look at filling up those things from a business systems point of view yeah. before we even know the individualization of the person. absolutely right. So you know if you can take that that high level approach to that of knowing that, and you know for those people with staff as well, you can you yeah do that with your with your staff also. So look, you know, even if you take away the whole COVID experience, um, over the years, there's been multiple surveys out there done around, um, you know, what are the most important things to people, right? And in every survey I have ever seen on this, and I've seen a lot of them, in every survey, financial security comes in in the top three, usually number one. It's number one more than any other aspect that I of, of you know any other, anything else that's important to people. So if we can, and it can be, I mean, it's a bit of a cliche term, financial security. And so I'm not necessarily saying that that's how you want to brand your service, but when you're talking to your clients, that's where you should be should be talking. And you know, if we're talking about um, having conversations with uh, clients at scale, then part of that scale is, as I said earlier, knowing what to talk about and not wasting time talking about the things that aren't that relevant or important to them. And so if we know that financial security is really important, then that's a a conversation we should be having from from day one, from the first meeting. And and, and in reviews at the moment for um for financial planners, uh, in reviews, uh, that, that should be something that's you know, just asking how are you feeling right now? Are you nervous? Is there anything you're concerned about? Right? Is there anything I can um, give you or talk to you about to reassure you? Right? And even if they say, no, you're doing a great job, I, I trust you completely, the fact that you've asked them that is going to give them a ah, moment, you know, that little relief yeah. moment. 
Yeah, yeah. Great, great line of question. Yeah. Um, excellent. Yeah. And now, well, well, I guess when we're talking about communication, mm. um, one of the things you mentioned before was um, segmentation yeah. or segmenting. Yeah. yeah. So I am um, a massive advocate of constant communication. And this is quite simply, you know, if, if I want to get really basic with this, if you're not in front of your clients, somebody else is, right? You just can't wait um, to communicate with your clients from meeting to meeting or phone call to phone call. It, we just don't live in that world anymore. Now, a lot of us, like myself, we uh, we started in a very different world, right? So it, it may it, we have to shift our thinking around that. We honestly do need to be commuting with that, communicating with our clients on a constant basis. Again, we come back to, yeah, okay, but we've got to, that takes time and effort. We've got to balance that. So what I usually suggest is that if you want to have those deeper conversations and that, that level of communication is that you do segment your client base. It's I mean, Most business owners have heard that before. Most business owners probably know uh, that it's important, but it's actually one of the best recommendations that I can give businesses, right? Because if you know who your high value clients are, you can determine what sort of time you need to allocate to those clients, right? To nurturing those type of relationships. Whereas your lower value clients, um, you can be mindful of that, right? So, and I, I get a lot of people that say, oh, but all my clients are important. Absolutely. But not all your clients pay you the same. And you have to take that into account because uh, none of the accounting, financial planning or bookkeeping businesses I work for are charities. Uh, they're all at the point where they still, they need to make a profit. They need to pay their team. They need to pay themselves. So it's not saying that they are lower importance clients, but they are a lower value to the business. And we need to be able to tweak our service offering accordingly. And so if you know what your uh, client base looks like, then you can actually allocate which of those clients you're going to give more maybe face-to-face time or more personalized service versus those who you can potentially just have a more automated service where maybe they're just getting a touch point um, monthly or something like that. And by that, I'm not talking about it you know, selling them something every month or trying to get them to do something every month. And I don't think that's a big issue in our industry. Our industry doesn't tend to do that as much, but giving them something of value once a, once a month at least that um, that can be done at scale. So to all those, all those clients. And then look, you could take that a, a level even further um, and you can do that by servicing a, a particular target market or a, or a, a niche, right? And the beauty of doing that, of niching or you know choosing a specific target market, is that it becomes super efficient to understand and and um, understand their needs, stay on top of their frustrations and and fears, and so that makes it a lot easier to have those deeper conversations because they're the same conversations, right? If I'm honest, that I, I you know I'm a, I'm a business advisor. It, the fundamentals don't change. I can work with any business, right? And I do. I, I, some of my clients, I've got you know interior designers as clients. I've got decking companies as clients. Myob is one of my clients. You know, it's it's it doesn't matter. But it's easier for me to work with accountants, bookkeepers, and financial planners, right? Because, like I said right at the start, it's the similar issues. It's the similar frustrations, and so it means I can do my job a lot more effectively because I know those people inside out. And so um, if I've got that understanding, I can solve the problem a lot more efficiently. So, you know, I know a lot of people that idea of niching or targeting is very scary, um, but it's only scary until it starts working. Yes, and I, I would imagine that uh, that would also be scary when you go to uh, businesses that you work with and say you need to have constant communication. <laughs> yeah. And, and what are what are you going to say to your clients yeah. and, and your target market for the eleven months of the year when you're not doing their tax or yeah. or, or for the it's not when it's not review time? Yeah. What are you going to say to them? Um, so what 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 are some of the things that you see businesses doing really well that you work with in that space of, of communicating yeah. regularly to clients when it's not necessarily their review time? Yeah. Look, it's about um, 
Coming back again to what the clients want and need. Uh, But even if you step back a moment before them, it's first of all, it's planning it out, right? The worst thing you can do is go, oh my gosh, what am I going to talk about this month? So when I'm working with my clients, we, we, um, we put together like a marketing calendar and we look at, I am a massive fan of low-hanging fruit, right? I think business is hard enough. It doesn't need to be harder. Uh, but as human beings, we like to overcomplicate things. But when I'm looking at, at, at what to talk about to people or what to send out to people, my thing is what is going to be the easiest thing? What's going to be fast? What do I already know about that I can just dictate something into my phone and then turn that into an article? Or what is something that I've seen from someone else that I can then forward on and say, hey, this might be of interest to you? You know, so what is, I, I want anything like that to be as, um, as time efficient and as automated as possible. And I think the best way to do that is plan it all out. So you've got 12 months where you go, okay, I know in this month I'm doing this, in this month I'm doing this, in this month I'm doing that. Um, Then spend maybe uh, half a day, a day, a couple of half days here and there and actually put the material together, then throw it into your system and forget about it. (laughs) Um, If possible. I mean, I'm very, I'm, I'm, um, a very big advocate also for software that will automate that process for you. You may need to get to that space, but it's, yeah, it's, it's well worth it. Yeah. Fantastic. And the old systematization uh, versus the personalization. Absolutely. I do. I love to write 12 months worth of content and I hand it to my assistant and I never have to worry about it again, unless something, because then what that, what happens there is when something comes up, that's, uh, you know, um, particularly specific to something that's going on in the moment, I've got the time to do that as a bonus article or send an email out to tell people what what they should be wondering about COVID, like, you know, with or the new grant that's come out. Um, Because as I said earlier, you know, I've I've got an accounting and financial planning practice. So yesterday we were putting out an email, sorry, a couple of days ago we were putting out an email around the, um, the grant and you can do that really quickly because you've already got the rest of your marketing sorted. Yeah. And that, um, if it's okay, it probably brings me to the idea of a one-to-many approach with your communication as well. Yep. I, I just can't overemphasize how valuable a one-to-many approach can be in your business, right? And and I know it, it sort of sounds counterintuitive given we're talking about having deeper conversations and now I'm saying one to many, but deeper conversations at scale, this is a, a an incredible opportunity. I've you know mentioned not no like or trust, right? And I've mentioned having to ask deeper questions of people, but you know, you've got to earn the right to do that. Right? <laughs> you can't just meet somebody for the first time and say, so tell me your deepest fears, right? It's just not going to going to work. And so I've learned over time, and I'm a speaker, I'm an international speaker, so you know, I, it's something that I can speak very confidently on, is that it's one of the best and easiest ways to build that know, like, and trust uh, quickly is that one-to-many medium. So, you know, for example, um, presentations, seminars, workshops, obviously they've been a little bit more challenging over the past 18 months. You know, I, I love doing things like this, Fraser, because I'm a speaker without a home at the moment. You know, I've got no, I've got no stage, but... <laughs> If you can get the opportunity to be a speaker at some point and you're comfortable doing it or willing to just take a bit of a step outside your comfort zone, those opportunities are absolutely gold because you get instant credibility. You almost get a celebrity status from standing on a stage because people know you would not be up there unless you really knew what you were talking about. I think I also uh, I throw podcasts in there as a as a uh, op- opportunity to become a speaker too because I think um you know you can you can become a speaker to an audience uh, find your find your best or your target audience uh, and just speak to those people and you'll end up attracting more of them. I, it's absolutely so I think you know absolutely two other areas particularly you know because a lot of people aren't confident standing up on a stage in front of you know a couple of thousand people or or whatever um or even sometimes in front of 30 people. So I think what's fantastic in this day and age 
is that we have other mediums now. We've got podcasts and webinars, all right, and they are all, or guest speaking like I'm doing today, um, guest speaking for other people to be able to, to do that. That can be a lot less confronting than public speaking, but just as effective. Yeah, I'm seeing people doing um, lives, you know, LinkedIn lives and Facebook, Facebook lives, lives and those sorts of things. Yeah. Yeah, and so they, that, they're, they're determining at what time of the day they're speaking to, uh, you know, and, and, and I guess you can't really control the audience, but when you get a speaking gig, it's, it's going to be at a particular time of the year, once a year or something yeah. like that yeah. for that particular person to that particular audience and you don't really get to choose what no. day it's going to be. Or- and they can't listen to you in their car or when they're making, you know, cooking dinner. I'm, I'm, I love to listen to podcasts when I'm in my car doing my housework with the headphones on and I think a lot of people love the flexibility of, of that. So, um, and, and just by doing that, what you're able to do and why it's so powerful is that you get to extend your reach, uh, your messages to a large, you know, a, a much larger audience, but in a similar amount of time, all right? So, you know, you, you, you're automatically getting that credibility that I mentioned because no one's going to do it unless they're an expert. So straight away you have an edge, um, but you're not having to go from one person to one person to one person to one person. You're in that same amount of time, you can address a whole heap of people. One thing though I've found um, in my experience and, and is that for most financial planners, accountants, or bookkeepers, when they do present on topics in any of those mediums, they generally focus on technical issues or they are information-based presentations. What I'd love to recommend to anybody that's listening today is that you build presentations around people's key frustrations and their fears, right? We talked about before, people are only motivated to work with you through pain or pleasure. So you need to be able to show them that you understand what their their pain is and that you can lead them to a space where they're going to get that that um that pleasure of not being in pain anymore. So your presentation should um, look at the problems that they're facing that you can solve. Okay, make sure that you talk about the things that you can actually solve for them. Don't just keep them going <laughs> down the track of uh, yeah, right. it's all doom and gloom. That's right, exactly. All the problems that they're having, but you can't solve them. You know, that's not gonna that's not gonna help you at, at all. It might help them. But here's what I know for sure, right? If you can articulate somebody's problem better than they can, they're going to automatically credit you with a solution. And that is incredibly powerful, right? And if you think about it, people love, like people say, oh, this person gets me. Oh, I really want to work with this person because they get me. Or I really love spending time with this person. They just, they know me. They understand me. You know, I'm saying it sort of flippantly at the moment and, and a bit jokingly, but Again, that is what people actually want. So you want to be using the opportunity to let your audience know you understand what they're going through. Right. So, so when, when you say audience, uh, of course, you, you mean new audience, but also your existing clients. Oh, so. yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. yeah, because we want to keep them. right? And that's not a given anymore. Uh, it's you know, long gone are the days where uh, clients just stayed 10, 15, 20 years because they, they always had. Um, people are having higher expectations now, and if you're not fulfilling those expectations, they will they will find them elsewhere. So you know. Now, just for Kaz, one more thing, just on this, I've had some conversations lately with different people around the concept of siloing clients. Mm. As in, I've got one client, we've got a private and confidential relationship, and no one should know about that. Uh, versus people that have created communities of clients and. Um, memberships of clients around that concept of you know clients should know other clients and and maybe maybe try and work together and be, become part of a community versus just a one-on-one individual relationship what, what are your thoughts oh on that? yeah look I love the idea of a community but again it's coming back to not what we want or or need it's about what the client wants if you know your client then you can know what clients would work well in that community and what clients really want their privacy. I find that this this is kind of becoming, it's a, a little bit of a generational thing. 
Um, I, I think the you know the younger generation, Fraser, the, <laughs> um, they are they've been raised a lot more community minded, a lot more open. Um, they talk about things that we were taught uh, was taboo to to talk about, and they understand as something that's that's really powerful is that. You can, if you can work with other people and and look at what other people are doing, you can get where you want to a lot faster. So I said earlier, that's pretty much why I have a have a business is because um, I help people get there faster and and easier. Uh, because if you if you can model yourself on somebody who's already succeeded, that's the fastest way to get to success. Also, you know, if you're sharing the same issues with people, not only does it give you a sense of, okay, I'm not on my own here, which I think is is important, but it also means you can brainstorm ideas. And um, I have this little thing that I do quite often when I am presenting, Fraser. It's a little bit corny, but I think it it's, uh, explains it quite well. So, Fraser, if I have a dollar and you have a dollar and we exchange those dollars, what do we each have? still got one dollar right yeah but if I have an idea and you have an idea and we exchange ideas we now have two ideas each right so um, I'm a big big fan of community and getting people together you know I, I personally love being that dumbest person in the room right because that's how I'm gonna that's leverage right? so I love that idea of community that said, you have to respect that not everybody's going to like that. Not everybody's going to want that. And if you know your clients, um, you can give them the option. But if they say no, then you understand it's not personal. It's just not mm. not the medium they enjoy. Yeah, I, I I see this from the point of view of I think we all like community. I think social media and social platforms are all built on the concept of community yeah. and, and joining and sharing. Yeah. Um, and of, of course, it, from a generational point of view, that might be the case where, yes, younger demographics have um, embraced social media, but so have some of the Absolutely. older Absolutely, absolutely. Is, is this sort of the thing around the, the fact that money was a taboo subject? Yeah, I think it is. I also think, um, yeah, we, you know, you didn't talk about um, money, religion or, or politics. You didn't, uh, you know, if, you, if your child asked you how much do you earn, mum or dad, you would, you'd say that's not a, you don't ask that question, you know. Uh, so, yeah, it definitely was uh, a more taboo. I do believe, though, that the whole social media is definitely more responsible for that as well because we we never, when we were growing up, we didn't have that same platform to be able to do that. And if you wanted to talk to somebody, it was one-on-one on a telephone, whereas now you can join these house parties. <laughs> so, I and, and I do agree, though, that there are a lot of people um, in older generations that have embraced it and and also like that idea of getting together with other people um, like-minded to be able to share those experiences and 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 get ideas yeah I think uh, I think there's also the taboo subject but there's, it, it can also be a little bit judgy in that scenario that there's a very easy to benchmark yes a dollar versus another dollar like you said versus benchmarking ideas yeah. it's like well those two ideas they they're both relevant yeah. uh, one might be worth more than the other but they're both ideas yeah. right whereas if it's a dollar it's like no that's a dollar and that's a dollar 20 they're different that's yeah. exactly right and so you have to be sensitive when you are bringing people together into in a community I, I do it myself for business owners right so I have groups of business owners and I have to say, it's one of the most successful things that I've ever done. I don't mean for me personally, I mean for them, for their business. And they absolutely love being having that platform to be able to share and, and you know, go to each other and, and, and see what other people are doing. But I'm always very sensitive that nobody has to give information that they don't want to, to give. Or, and you've got to be very careful not to make anybody feel uh, less than because of you know a particular situation. In fact, what you want to do is create an environment where people feel very comfortable to um, to talk about anything. And you know, and that that's that's when you know you've got a really good group when you when you have people who will talk about things that they may not have talked about with anybody before. Yeah, and this this probably comes back down to your feeling significant or making sure they don't feel in, insignificant. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I guess just one thing on that though is that um, mo- many, many accountants that I know are by nature very private people themselves. Um, so sometimes accountants can assume 
that because they don't like a group setting and they don't like being on a group Facebook page (laughs) that their clients won't. And this is where we have to remember our business isn't our business, our business is our clients, right? And so we need to build our business around what they want and what they like. So again, it might be a case of, and then there are plenty of accountants that that are, are comfortable with this, but I know by and large, many aren't. So it could be just, again, about being able to look at it through your client's eyes. Ask them, ask them outright, get a couple of your favorite clients together and say, what would you think about that? And potentially stepping outside the comfort zone a little bit. That's where your business growth is, just stepping outside that comfort zone, just a little bit. You don't have to do it huge at a time, but just a little bit and have your systems to back you up. I love that. I love. That. I would love to be a fly on the wall of you trying to convince an accountant to open up and be. That's incredible. It's all now, about now the we, systems. I, I, now, I often tell people if I can teach accountants to sell, I can teach anyone. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. You're the guru. Um, so, so obviously we covered a lot mm. on systems and segmentation and the communication piece. Um, we mentioned a little bit of technology mm. in here so far when we talked about the things like your setting your um, your calendar up and and pushing that out yeah. um, using by using technology. Talk to me about technology and how important yeah. that is. Yeah. Uh, look, I'm somebody who uh, you know my my generation are called technology adapters, right? Not born. So, you know, I see what my young nieces and nephews do and it blows my mind. So, you know, and I think I speak for a lot of people my age and in our industry that technology is not necessarily something that comes naturally. But if you want to be able to have those deep conversations at scale, then you need to be able to uh, get that technology mindset. And even if you find that you're resistant to it, employ people who aren't, right, that, that, and they can take care of that bit. Um, there are literally only four ways to grow a business, right, only four, and one of them is efficiencies. And most accountants and financial planners I know are paying a lot of money for technology and simply not using it as effectively as they they could. Actually, you know, I would say that's the case for every single account and financial planner I've I've worked with. That you know, it's somewhere where I usually like to start is a review of how they're using their technology. Because if you can free up time by utilizing some of those efficiencies, then guess what? That's going to mean you can spend more time physically with your clients or nurturing those relationships. And not just you, if you've got team, then you free up time for your team to be able to do that as well. You know, one of the things that I say is I am, um, I'm always telling my clients to, we want to systematize everything that can be systematized, everything that's a repeatable task, let's systematize it. And if we can do it using technology, even better, because if you can do that, if you can systematize 80, 90% of what you do, then you can humanize the other 10 to 20%. It gives you that space to be able to 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 do that. I was just thinking then. I think that's really I think that's really important the concept of that. We all have technology and we implement it and we jump on it and, and we like, wow, this is great. Let's bring it in. But you not utilizing it is a, yeah. is, a, is a very poor way to be running out. Yeah, business. and it could be. I, I think, you know, you also don't want to be overwhelmed by it. But I think, you know, if you, and what I try and do when I sit down with my clients is, or we might sit down with their software provider and we will just identify what what would give us the biggest win and the biggest bang for buck if we just focused on this area. And then you can move to the next and move to the next. What I don't like at all is when, you know, you meet with a software provider, they give you 20 ways that you can improve and get more out of your software. And and look, it's great. It's great to know that, but that's really overwhelming as a business owner to try and not only implement that, but if you've got staff to try and get your staff on board with that and the training and all that. So, you know, one thing at a time, again, is really important, but, you know, I think business overall is about focusing on the right things at the right time. So just make sure that it is something that's going to give you impact when you, when you do that. Yeah. And what are some of the technologies you're seeing in the businesses you work Oh, uh, look, do you know what? And this just popped into my head a few moments ago is that most advisors I know, whether they're bookkeepers, financial planners or accountants, most advisors I know prefer client meetings to be face-to-face. And look, 
that's that's fine but i think lockdown has highlighted that we can have these online meetings and so that means you can meet with people wherever you want wherever they want um, wherever you are, from your PC, from your laptop, you don't have to worry about travel time. There's no setting up a meeting room, no cleaning your desk, no making tea or coffee, right? It becomes quite efficient. And having those face-to-face meetings solely face-to-face, it does also limit you geographically, okay? So I've got clients all over the country. I've got clients overseas, right? I've never met. So um, next week, I'm meeting with some clients in London, I've never actually physically met with them other than online. But if I wasn't comfortable having those online meetings, I would never have those clients. So I'm not saying do away with face-to-face meetings altogether. Absolutely not. I'm just saying, you know, most people could incorporate a mix within their business. And that could free you up to have the capacity to then actually have more time to meet face-to-face with your clients more, more often. Just to give you an example, in our practice, our initial meetings are usually done face-to-face. So this bit, I'm just talking about financial planning, for example. Um, They're usually done face-to-face, those initial meetings. But then we have a meeting six months down the track. It's kind of just a check-in meeting. How you're going, is everything on track? How are you feeling about it? That meeting is only an online meeting, all right? And that's the the trick there is. That's how we position it. We don't offer it face-to-face. So nobody's ever complained about it, right? Because a lot of the resistance I get from my clients when I talk about doing some online meetings is, oh, my clients don't want that. But in this case, we don't actually offer it. It's part of the deal. If you're a client of ours, one of the things that you get is this online meeting in six months time, right? Yeah. I think just, just, just on that, I think a lot of people have this perception when they do something a certain way all the time that, that they've actually, they don't realize that they've trained the client and that's how they do yes. it. Yes. And then they, they say, oh, my client would never want the other thing because they like, they like this thing, but we don't give them the option. Yeah, absolutely. And if we just position it, that's the way we do do business. Um, you get this and it's, it's an online meeting. Another thing that we do in our practice as well, we have packages and, you know, always recommend packages, whether you're an accountant, a bookkeeper or a financial planner, this is a this is a way to scale, but it's also fantastic for your clients. It makes it easier for your clients. But there, you know, you can then have certain levels in your packages. You can have, okay, that's fine. You can have face-to-face meetings, but you're going to pay a little more for that. Whereas if you want to have, um, you know, keep the cost down a little bit for yourself, if it's going to help you to be able to work with me, then yeah, we can pay a little less, but it's going to be online meetings rather than face-to-face meetings a lot of the time. So it gives you that scale as well. And I think when we look at uh, seriously having those deeper conversations, then I think it is more than just technology broadly as well i think it does become about the specific software that we that we choose i believe that software exists for one reason and one reason only to make my life easier right? <laughs> it's got to be if it doesn't make our lives easier then it is the wrong software and so i like i love efficiencies right uh, oh, efficiencies like it's it's my whole life like it's not even um, I do it in my personal life as well. I'm always looking for the most efficient way, and I know that it must um, frustrate my family and friends sometimes. But you know, I want to get A and B in the straightest, the quickest, the easiest way. So that's that's one thing. But I also like to have um, software that's going to actually identify things for me, so to make my life a little bit easier in in that way. So if we can have software that not only saves us time to have those conversations, but also tells us what sort of conversations we should be having, that to me is the double tick. I want it to tick both those both those boxes. So yeah, we get there. We want our software to do a lot of that hard work, right? The heavy lifting that gives us the, the time and the space to have those deeper conversations. But if it can also give us the, the direction and identify those conversation opportunities, then that's um, that's something you should really, really be be looking at. And 
Look, as an example, one of the um, tools that we do use in our practice is the My Prosperity software. And where that helps with deeper conversations, there's a few ways that I that I see see that. First of all, it is just those basic efficiencies. When I work with my clients to grow a, a business, I have what's called, um, I build what's called, what I call an E's model, right? And the E stands for efficiencies. It is the number one area that you need to, to focus on when you are starting to look at growing your business or selling your business or doing your business a little bit differently. And so you know, with things like My Prosperity, you've got um, being able to sign documents on a portal. That's a game changer for businesses. Uh, that's got efficiencies, not just with the signing, but there are flow-on efficiencies that I don't have time to go into today, but um, there are certainly flow-on efficiencies from that. Um, another efficiency would be being able to just go in and grab a snapshot of your client's financial position all in, in one spot. Now. If you've got those efficiencies, um, and there are more, but they're just two I can think of off the top of my head that are really powerful, then you are immediately freeing up some time that then you can invest in deeper client relationships. Then if we come back to that snapshot that I just mentioned, we've got another, another layer. You know, if you've got a snapshot of everything in one place, then you know them, you get them, you understand them, right? Because if you can have something where you can see your client's total financial position, you're going to be in a lot better place to ask them meaningful questions, discuss their different options, and give them a higher quality of advice. And, and, and that's, a, that's where that real trust bond does come in because your clients know that you're getting the full picture. All right. They know that you don't just understand this part of their world. You understand all of their financial world and therefore, they trust that you're able to give them that advice. And that doesn't matter whether you're a financial planner or an accountant or a bookkeeper. If you've got that total picture, there's a, you know, I talked about before the <sighs> moment, that relief, that reassurance that you've got this, that you've got their back on all those, those particular areas. Wow, Kaz, I've got uh, a full page of notes. I can hardly write any more down of all of the all of the uh, the, the the gold nuggets you've been dropping. You, you mentioned the E's system. Mm. E stands for efficiencies. What's the uh, what's the rest oh, of that? Oh, okay, yes. Yeah. So, so this is specifically for accountants, financial planners, and bookkeepers, right? This is my little special proprietary just for for my industry. Um, so the E stands for yeah efficiencies. A is for arranging and offering. So that comes back to those packaging and things like that that I was talking about before and knowing what you're able to actually offer people um, and uh, you're almost productizing your service because it's a lot easier for people to buy something that they can really understand. And most people don't understand financial planning, accounting, or bookkeeping. Um, S is sell without selling, which is, I think, a really big thing for, for my industry. And then the final E is being able to execute, right? So executing it into your into your practice. Oh, I thought the S for sure would have been systematized. <laughs> well, that's, was, that's part I of was, the efficiencies. I would have put money. I would have put money on that one. <laughs> that's in the efficiencies. Those sexy oh, right. systems okay. come into yep. the um, come into the the efficiencies. So yeah, <laughs> look one one of the other things too, Fraser that. Um, with the My Prosperity software that I just thought of there because I, I talked about you want software that's able to identify opportunities. Uh, and so probably my favourite feature with that particular software is that they do have an automated process that asks your client clients questions. So you don't have to do it. They actually ask the questions. You can modify the questions or whatever, but at certain points they ask them about you know, what's important to them, what's worrying them, uh, what don't they understand, what areas do they need help with, and then you get like an opportunities report mm. so that when you do speak to them and you're having those deeper conversations, all you need to do is read the report to know what you're going to be talking about. And if you can get software that's going to do that, that's that's um, that's getting that information for you. I'm I'm a um, you know I'm like anybody. I'm 
I'm a time poor person because I like to cram as much into a day as I possibly can. So if I can get a, a report on to give me that that sort of information, then that makes me very, very happy. Yeah, exactly. And I imagine that if somebody's afraid or worried or scared to ask those deeper questions and to have them uh, have it done in a systematized way is probably much a easier. Lot easier. And especially them. if it's in a non-confronting way, you just have to. I think you know with the My Prosperity software, mostly it's just a happy or a sad face. You know, you just. And that, because that you don't have to, you don't want them to give you everything. They don't have to, all they, all that's doing is identifying. So the, the technology identifies and then you have the deeper conversation and voila, we have some scale. Yep. Fantastic. Kaz, this has been an amazing conversation today. I really appreciate you uh, gifting us your time. Uh, tell us, how, if somebody wants to continue the conversation with, with you, what's the best way they can get Oh, absolutely. And I love this. You, you might have been able to tell kind of passionate about this, this stuff and it is my my um, my absolute bread and butter. I love, love, love working with accountants, financial planners and, and bookkeepers. Um, if anybody would like to get in touch with me, like I'm a very real person. You don't have to go through 50 different people to, to get to me. Just drop me an email. So it's C, I'm, I'm Karen with a C. Right? So it's C.Hendry, H-E-N-D-R-I-E at hendry.com.au. You're welcome to just drop me a line. Connect with me on LinkedIn. So you know, go go to Karen Hendry again. It's Karen with a with a C. Um, and I'd love to connect with you on LinkedIn. Uh, be part of your community, and I'd love to have you as part of my community as well. That's probably the easiest ways to to get in touch with with me. Just you know, one to one. Just yeah, say hi. Just say hi. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you, Karen. Really appreciate you coming on, talking to us to all things around sexy systems and technology and, and, and segmenting and, and communications with clients. Really appreciate it. My absolute pleasure. As I said, at the moment, I'm a speaker without a stage. So I really appreciate having these opportunities to be, because for me, my why is all about that extended reach and that impact. I know what it's like to spend the time building business so if i can do anything that um, helps people to do it easier and faster then my job is done so thank you for the opportunity fraser thanks Kate. 